0: This is a 980 CKNW podcast.
1: Well, as I've been mentioning throughout the program, we are going to be giving some books away in this half hour. So stay tuned. I will let you know how you can win those books. One of them is called Son of a Trickster, written by Eden Robinson. And Eden Robinson joins us on the line now to talk a bit more about this. Thank you so much for being with us. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this is all part of, uh, we've been talking to authors whose books have been nominated in the Ethel Wilson Fiction Prize category for the West Coast Book, Size, book Prize Society, the 34th annual BC Book Prizes. So uh, congratulations on the nomination. Thank you so much. Uh, talk a bit about this. Uh, I was reading the back of the book and it seems... Well, it seems a little bit dark. We're talking about Jared, a 16-year-old burnout, uh, again, reading from the back cover of this, sells (laughs) weed cookies and has a scary mom who's often wasted.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, Son of a Trickster started off as uh, a a traditional trickster story. Uh, But then I said it in the present. And then when I was writing... Uh, the trickster himself—he uh, seemed a bit braggy. Uh, so I needed a Watson for my Sherlock, and that's where Jared came in. Uh, and it is—it is a little dark, uh, but there's—but Jared is pretty wisecracky, and his relationship with his mother turned out to be far more tender than I was expecting
1: uh which i often find it uh, interesting when authors say that in that uh, you that you were surprised by it or or it turned out differently than you had planned since uh, you're the one steering the bus
0: <laughs> well i think a lot of uh creativity comes from the nether regions of your brains and there's some surprising things back there uh so once you start uh, i call it my muse but it's it's all the things in your brain that uh, are under the surface and that you don't really um, spend a lot of time with. And I think those are the things that come out in your writing.
1: The um, the back as well, when talking about this, uh, it calls it a compelling coming-of-age novel in which everyday teen existence crashes up against Indigenous beliefs, crazy family dynamics, and perhaps my favourite part of this phrase, cannibalistic river otters. <laughs>
0: In in high school stories, otters were were not terribly pleasant, and uh, they would try to get you lost and sometimes eat you. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So when I put them in the book and uh, spent some time with them, I started to. It's like, oh, that's you know, of course they'd be angry, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun to. To play around with the fictional otters.
1: Uh, uh, sounds like it. Um, it is a work of fiction, as all of the books in this category are. Was it? Was it um, inspired by real life or anything or, or real people?
0: Um, that, not really. It, it came strictly from my own crazy brain.
1: <laughs> and again, that, that's that's not a bad thing at all. <laughs> Uh, How long did it take you to write it? it, Well, I
0: started writing
1: it in 2008.
0: um, But back then, I thought it was like a 10-page short story. And then, you know, about 50 pages, I thought, well, maybe it's a novella. And then when it hit 400, and I still hadn't gotten to the main antagonist, I was like, maybe it's two books. (laughs) Maybe it is a novel. And now it's a trilogy.
1: All right. And so it's, I think I just brief. I just quickly looked, it's 315. So you, you cut a few pages out of it.
0: Yes. Oh, uh, well, I split it up into two. I kept the Kitimat section separate from the Vancouver section. Uh, the, it's, the first book came out last year, the second book comes out this year, and I'm working on the third book.
1: Right. Is it is it more difficult when it's when you turn something into a trilogy than knowing what you want to hold back and what to how much you need for for the next book and so that you have enough to spread out over three?
0: Uh, I thought it was going to be like one book, but uh, it turned out to be it's probably around a thousand pages. I don't think anyone has patience for a. <laughs> It page
1: novel anymore. <laughs> it can be pretty daunting when you pick when you pick that up in the store, or I guess if you're if you're reading the electronic version, it's not as daunting, but still can be.
0: Yeah, oh, it takes up a lot of memory. Um, plus, they they had uh, very separate uh, character growth uh, in the first book. Jared is pretty lost, and he's just trying to hold it together. Uh, in the second book, uh, he's moved to Vancouver. Um, to go to school, discovers how expensive the rent is (laughs) and moves in with his estranged aunt, uh, who is a writer. Uh, She's a little eccentric and a bit of an activist, not based on anyone. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Sounds familiar.
0: (laughs) And the third one... uh, I I don't yeah I'm I'm one of those people that spoils things like if we're watching Game of Thrones together and I watch it before you. I, you know, I will let slip what happened. So I'm not quite sure, like how much to explain of the third novel.
1: <laughs> All right, we will leave that. Well, we can leave that for the for the unknown for the reader. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned Vancouver and Kitimat. Is it more challenging, or is there a challenge when you're using real places to make sure that they are uh, reflecting what the actual place is like?
0: Yes, uh, you have a lot of people who who know the places, so they will uh, definitely uh, speak to you or email you or call you and go, hey. (laughs) Uh, But I have a lot of first readers for my first draft, and they usually pick up stuff like that.
1: All right, and, and that's an interesting, uh, interesting point as well. Is finding people, and I would imagine that there's a certain level of trust there because you're putting out something that's quite raw that you're writing and creating, and asking for people to be honest. Is this good? Yeah. Is this bad? What what works? What doesn't work?
0: Uh, and I have uh, usually when I well for some of the trickster. Uh, I wanted to reflect the multiplicity of First Nations in northern B.C., but it's difficult to write outside of my own nations. Uh, So I had a couple of cultural advisors telling me if I was, you know, getting into tricky territory. Uh, They're not main characters, but I I still wanted to um, get that kind of, just nail it. And then I had some technical advisors, uh, people who knew how the things that Jarrett was working. I had a pot advisor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, so about six of the ten first readers were uh, technical and cultural advisors, and uh, the other four were were fellow writers. I read their first drafts, and they read my first draft. So they would they would tell me about the, you know, what they thought about different plot points or character motivations. So um, I like to have a, a wide uh, range of opinions on the early draft, just so I can narrow in on what's working and what isn't working.
1: And, and do you find, though, what if you disagree with what the person says to you?
0: Um, oh, then I just don't need to change it. <laughs> Uh, but I will consider that very carefully. And then uh, the editing process for a novel is quite lengthy. So if people keep bringing that point up, then I know it's a sticking point. Um, and that flags it for me as something that I need to work on.
1: All right. All right. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and what's the, your process for writing uh, the, the novel? Like you said, you started this uh, back in two thousand eight. Is it sitting down every day, or is it sitting down when you get inspired? How does it actually all come together?
0: Uh, for me, apparently, it's waking up really early <laughs> and then working every day for an hour. Um, the first novel I was I wrote between four and five in the morning. Uh, because I had, you know, obligations and work. Uh, The second one, I I dialed it back and wrote it between 7 and 8 in the morning. Uh, And the third one, I don't think I'm getting up early enough. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Because it's not coming. So I might have to go back to the 7 a.m. writing. Uh, I find, personally, the routine helps. Uh, Because you just signal to your brain that, I signal to my brain that this is the time that you know, you're focused on writing. And I find if I do it early enough in the morning, there's not a lot of phone calls or emails. So if you have a very quiet space.
1: And and you do it at the same place, uh, a special place yes. or defined place where you do that?
0: Yes. Uh, my desk with my ancient, ancient laptop.
1: <laughs> uh- <laughs> if it still works, it still works.
0: Uh, I, I, I get attached to electronics, so... Um, It's like, okay, you know, when it dies, I'll let it go. But for now, we're just keeping this. ancient Toshiba.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, One more question. The the cover, I often like to ask authors about the cover. And this one, uh, Son of a Trickster, it's got uh, kind of a a faded uh, forest scene. Uh, There's a very sparkly, cannibalistic river otter. How did that come about?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have an amazing designer named Jennifer Lum. She's done both my hardcovers for Son of a Trickster and for the upcoming Trickster drift. And when she showed me the the cover for um, the trade paperback of Trickster Drift, uh, I thought, oh my God, that's very pretty. It's, you know, the, the, the it's faded blues, you know. And then when I got it, when I got my first copy of it, it was like, the otters are sparkly! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I I
1: really like sparkly otters. <laughs> well, who doesn't, really?
0: Uh, I, I love the hardcover too with the with the pearlized stock and the, the glowy fireflies and the feathers it was just amazing uh, and she's designed the cover for my third one and it has the profile uh, on the front is of my nephew huh. Um uh, and it's, it's, it's got the same, uh, the same feathers and fireflies and crows, but now it's got a,
1: uh, it's got a, uh, an extra personal touch. It sounds like it. Uh, definitely. All right. Well, Eden, we will let you go, but, uh, thank you so much. I think uh, you have laughed the most of anybody I've talked to in months, maybe years, and I love it.
0: And I have the quiet laugh in my family.
1: <laughs> oh, oh my, those <laughs> gatherings must be fun
0: get
1: kicked out of restaurants. <laughs> <a lot. laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Eden, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us today and good luck in the contest.
0: You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune In, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.